16, though. Let's get into this where we're at because this is, uh, I was looking at my notes. This is actually part four of about 10 parts on this section because these are such wonderful verses. Verse 25, uh, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And we can spend a lifetime even in verse 27 alone. And I, I realize, I, didn't, I don't want to just rush through these verses. I realize we talk about them, and we study them in different aspects, dealing with the issue of godly edification. And I don't want to just blast through them. So we're just, I mean, we're just taking our time, because this is where Paul is releasing the Roman believers, but you and I, uh, by extension, to the issue of edific to God to the issues of the godly edification. And not only in what we've learned in Romans, now to him that is of power to establish you, but also in future spiritual growth and future edification that's coming, especially in the book of Ephesians. And as we move through this, uh, I didn't want to just blow through these and just read them and go, okay, you know, boom, and we're done. Rather, I'm preferring to kind of dissect them a little better than what we've done in the past, just so you get. So we started with that issue of the power to, uh, now to him, and that's God, that is of power to establish you. And that issue of stabilization, being having the believer stable. Uh, if you will look there in verse 26, according to the commandment of the everlasting God. This is the commandment of the everlasting God, is to be established in this manner. So if you're, if you're being stab, established in a different manner, it's not according to the commandment of the everlasting God. It can be scriptural, but not what? Dispensational. See, you can, you can establish. I know people who use the book of Proverbs to establish a believer. The problem is, is that establishment will, will, will go away when the winds of life hit it and the storms there and we talked about that issue of the establishment issue and then paul says according to here's the blueprint you know last sunday when keith was teaching he said i got a blueprint for the shed and what do i do i gotta i, I don't have the width the, the length so i gotta narrow it down well we have a blueprint the wise master builder according to and so if you and i are going to be stable established we have to do it according to the blueprint. And that's the issue there. When he, Then he says, according to my gospel. And that issue of my gospel, Paul is the only person in Scripture to ever call the gospel his. He says, mine, possession, he, he, ownership. So the unique system of truth that was given to Paul then given to you and I, Paul is that big flag. He's waving that flag. Come on in, guys. Come on in. He's waving the Oh, they're walking in. I said that before I saw you walking in. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, he's waving the flag. Why? It's my gospel. 
It's my information. It's stuff that was given to me. And what God's doing is, is he's using Paul to capture, to, to cause the, bo- the church, the body of Christ, to look to Paul. Now, mainline Christianity, body at large, doesn't look to Paul. They reject Paul. So what are they rejecting? The, everla- the, God, the commandment of the everlasting God. See, they're going somewhere else. They're not where they belong. Then he says gospel, that good news. And, and this is what we looked at last time. Come over to Romans 3, just Romans 3. Something fascinating here. Last time we saw the content of that issue, uh, and that's, that was last time. The, the system of grace... That stat, the system of truth that stabilizes the believer is connected to the information concerning the cross work of Christ. It centers in on that. We saw last time in Acts how Peter preached the gospel or the cross. We go back to Luke 18. They didn't understand it. They didn't know it. So the Old Testament people, we went to 1 Peter 1. They never looked forward to Calvary. They didn't understand it. When the prophets wrote Isaiah 53 and Daniel writes, uh, David writes Psalms 22 and all that, he had no clue about the cross. He's just in the moment. Why? 1 Peter 1, what do they do? You write it down. It's not for you. It's for some folks coming, i.e. the little flock in the future. So to hear the, old ti- the old-timey preachers say, the Old Testament saints look forward to the cross. No, they did not. They didn't look forward to it. They didn't understand it. Here you've got the the Savior, the Lord, in the moment, talking to the twelve, telling them, he tells them three times he's got to go to Jerusalem to die and be buried and rise again the third day. And at each time, Peter rebuked, no, 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 no. And he's like, Peter, knock it off, man. And then finally, he goes to Calvary. On Resurrection Sunday, when they go up to the, they still don't have an understanding that he's there. Those two angels asked them, asked those ladies, asked Peter and John, why do you look for the living among the dead? If you'd uh, paid attention, believed what he told you, then guess what would have happened? You wouldn't be up here looking around. You would know that he's he's what he is risen. Then later that evening, the Lord meets with them in the upper room. Luke 24, and what does he do? He opens their understanding, and now they got it. So when you think about the gospel, when Paul says, my gospel, it isn't the gospel of the kingdom, which is what the Lord was preaching, the twelve was preaching, the little flock was preaching. It wasn't the gospel of the circumcision. That even narrows it down even, even narrower. He says, it's my gospel. Paul records, you got Romans 3? Hold on there and run to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. You see, Paul records, Ephesians 6 verse 19. Paul records not the event, the cross of Calvary, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross of the Messiah was prophesied since Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. It's been slowly details of the event have been progressively revealed all down through to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he says, all the things that Moses and the Psalms and the law said concerning me, I have so fulfilled. That means what? It's done. Okay? Ephesians 6, verse 19, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the, now watch, mystery of the gospel. So the, Paul is now not going to reveal, now go back to Romans 3, he's not going to reveal the events, he's now going to reveal the meaning of it. What, what does Calvary mean? Not that it happened or didn't happen. 1 Corinthians 15, he says it happened. Now look at all the, the eyewitnesses of it. But then he says, last of all was me, one born out of due time. I saw him. So it's not an issue of did it happen or didn't happen. It's the issue of what did it mean. Now, when we get, this is all review. But look at Romans 3. Start in verse 21. And if you work your way down to verse 28, here is the culmination of, of, of the meaning behind the cross of Calvary. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, now watch, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right? That's the condition of man, humanity. What are they? They're sinners. All. Why? There's no difference in the but now. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So where are we? We're back to Calvary. Now watch verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. So God the Father had faith where? In the, in the blood of Christ, the cross, the propitiation, that fully satisfying payment. Okay? Now, keep reading the verse. To declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are pass through the forbearance of God. So, when David committed murder and adultery, he should have been killed. That's what the law demanded. But Nathan comes, and, they, and, and David does what Nathan requires. He's got that contrite heart and so forth. And God says, I forgive you, through Nathan to David. David does not understand on what basis that forgiveness was established. Because what did the law demand? Death. But God's grace, he reached in and said, no, you're, you're forgiven. Okay? How in the world can God do that? Verse 25 tells you how. Through the forbearance of God. For the remissions of sins that are past. That's not your past sins. Your sins are all future of Calvary. The past, there's the time past. So in time past, the only one that looked forward to the cross was God. What did he know? Who did he know was coming? Come on, you can talk to me. The Son, thank you. See? So God looked forward. Nobody ever said that prior to Paul, by the way. Nobody has ever said that through the forbearance of God, you're going to get the remission of sins. Peter doesn't even say that in Acts 2. What did he say in 2.38? Repent and be what? Baptized 
for the remissions of sin. Chapter 3 says you're not going to get that until the times are blotted out, until the times of refreshing come. Paul says, back there, you know what God was doing? God was looking forward to Calvary. See, that's a revelation here of what this meant. Verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time, the but now, his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now watch. Which, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we can conclude, therefore we conclude, that a man is justified by what? Faith without the deeds of the law. That verse right there tells you that from Genesis, from Adam to the end, faith is the only response that God would ever accept, no matter where you're at in the timeline. Yeah, but Rick, they got to work. But, but faith is what's going to drive the work. You and I, faith drives the what? Not by works. See, Paul is the only one that's ever said that. Nobody ever said that prior. You know what they said? By my works, you'll see my faith. What did Abraham, Genesis 15, remember Abraham believed God and his faith was counted for what? What did Abraham believe? That he was going to have a what? A son. Then he turned to the work activity. How's that going to happen? See, But what did he have first? Faith. So faith, the conclusion, the conclusion, therefore we conclude. One of those meanings in Calvary is God looked forward to it, so what could he do in the past? He could accept the sacrifices. He could accept the activity done by what? By faith. You follow that? Only Paul says this. Nobody ever said this. Come back to Acts 13. I'm going to get this going here. Acts 13. See, so when you come to Paul, when he says, my gospel... It's, it's that unique set of doctrine and information given to him and him alone. Never before talked about, never before preached, none of that. Uh, Acts 13, Paul's first recorded message, verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren. By the way, he's in the synagogue, and he takes Israel on a, on a, on a history lesson through. And he ends with the Lord being the Messiah. Verse 38, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe. Now that, that's a new word, all, for the audience. Are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. How are they justified? By what? By faith. That's new information. Now come back to Romans 16. Okay? So when you get into Paul, you begin to see some hit some of the some of the nuances of what the cross meant. We'll look next time, hopefully, if I get through the, this next little section here of First Corinthians chapter two. Why did he keep this a secret? Because what would Satan have not done? He wouldn't have crucified. If he had revealed the meaning anywhere along the lines in any little bitty nuance, because I know guys go back and they read the mystery back in the passages. Problem is, is in those passages it isn't there. There's a reason why the Lord 
in Matthew 13 looks at the apostles and says, I'm now going to talk to you in, in parables. And then he gives them the mysteries of the kingdom. Why? For the believer to know and for the who? For the unbeliever not to know. See, get ahead of myself there, sorry. But the thing is here is, so Paul, when he gets into this, he calls it my God. It was his, unique to him. Never preached, never talked about prior to Acts 9. Never even on the scope. No one would have, I can imagine I, when Isaiah and Jeremiah and those guys are writing, and he's writing about the second coming, and he's going to dip his sword in heaven and the blood. And they, What does that mean? Not for you to know. Write it down. <laughs> Get it in the book. Why? Because they're going to need it out there in the future. Well, we now have the completed revelation. We can go back into that and look and go, wow, look at why. That's why the study of the Old Testament from a dispensational viewpoint, you reveal a ton of riches in there rather than just dry so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so you know, No, there's such richness in there. 1625. Okay, so he says, he's going to establish you according to my gospel and the next item, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. So, we've got an and. An and of, not explanation, but an and of the next thing. You guys... You guys got the doctrine. If you, if you come back to chapter 6 of Romans. Chapter 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. You got the doctrine. You got my gospel. That's what Romans is all about. And... The next level of edification in the stabilization of the believer and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Go back to 1625. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. But according to, see. So there is a can you preach Jesus Christ in another way? Yes, you can. So now he's going to now Paul's going to say, we preach Christ according to something, not according to the Old Testament. Because Christ, in the Old Testament, Christ is not a mystery. He's not a secret thing. Isaiah 9, he's, the child's born, government's going to sit on his shoulders. Who is he? He's the counselor, the wonderful, the, the wonderful prince of and all that. He's not not talked about. He's not not prophesied. He's not a mystery. He's talked about. He's discussed. They're sitting there in Isaiah. He tells them in Isaiah, he says, listen, when you see the blind to see and the lame to leap and the deaf to hear, know that your God is amongst you. Well, what does the Lord do? He does all that in his, come, in his earthly See. So it's not a, we're going to preach Jesus Christ according to the Old Testament because Christ wasn't a mystery, okay? But it is possible to preach, to know, to, and preach Jesus Christ 
apart from the revelation of the mystery. Come over to 2 Corinthians 5. And when Paul says here, in order for you to be stable, you're, one of the, the components, first is my gospel, but the second one is the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the mystery, according to this unique system of truth only revealed to me, to you word. We'll see that as we go here next week when we talk about the mystery. You have to understand that there is a potential to preach another Jesus. It's scriptural, it's just not dispensational. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. So have, have we known Christ after the flesh? Yes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's right there. There he is. Yet now henceforth know we him, what? No more. No more how? After the flesh. We're not going to the Gospels to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are we going to go? Well, we're going to do verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. By that verse I have written pretty big so I can read it. Identity. <laughs> How are we going to know Christ? According to this new creature. We're going to talk, he's going to talk about this new creature. This can only be understood when we... Un the new creature can only be grasped when we understand that we don't know Christ after the flesh. We know him how? After the, according to the revelation of the mystery. Okay? Come back to Romans 9. Romans 9. So when, we, when Paul reminds us here about knowing Christ after the flesh and not knowing him no more that manner, Romans 9, and again, this is why when we went through Romans 9, 10, and 11, I told you most preachers just skip this stuff because they don't understand it. We didn't. We spent a good year here, I believe, almost. <laughs> this is lesson 170, by the way, 170 hours so far, doctorate levels, bills in the mail, okay? <laughs> but the thing is, is when you get into the weeds in Romans 9, there, there's such... Nuggets of truth here. Look at verse 4. Who are Israelites? To whom, so who are we going to talk about? Israel. To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promise? Whose are the fathers? And of whom, now watch, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever. When he, when he came concerning the flesh... Who did he come to? The Israelites. He would have never talked to the Gentile. Actually, the times that are recorded in the Gospels where he does, that woman at the well, he ignores her. I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There's the Messiah. There's the Lord Jesus Christ in his flesh saying, I ain't going to the Gentile. And then she puts herself in the right spot, calls him Lord, puts him under the table, she knows where she belongs, and then you know what he says? Your what? Your faith. No one else around here has your faith. Why? Because faith is the issue. But concerning the flesh, in time past, what was our relationship to the Lord? Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. We were without Christ. We were aliens. We're cut off. 
We had no hope. You were helpless. But now we know him no more that manner. So if we're going to preach Christ and we're going to be stable, we have to preach him according to, in harmony with the blueprint. Come over to Romans 15. Just in case that's not enough, he makes it pretty clear. It's amazing if you just keep reading how things, clarity, light bulbs come, you know, heavens open and the angels sing. <laughs> not Rick singing, the angels sing. 15.8, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the Father. Very clear. He, he, when he came, he was a minister. We looked at that verse very closely. It, so it is possible to preach Jesus Christ according to his earthly ministry, his fleshly ministry to Israel and to the little flock, to the believing remnant. And we're not established in our faith when we go to the Gospels to learn and to be educated. Now, again, by the way, drop your eye up to verse 4. You're in 15, 15, 15.4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our what? Learning. Not instruction, not obedience, but what? Learning. Folks, you and I ought to know more about our whole Bible than anybody else in the land, in the universe. Why? Because it's the Word of God, and what's it pertaining to? What He's going to do out there in His Son in the future, but it also says here's our play in it. Here's our purpose in it. Come over to Ephesians 1. So when we have, if we're going to preach Jesus Christ, 1625, what are we doing? How are we doing it? According to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret. And that's very fascinating here. We're going to preach Christ in a new and very different manner than he was ever preached before. Because it was a, it's mystery truth. There's a mystery revelation here. There's something going on, just like he, he, he's going to reveal the hidden wisdom of, the, of Calvary and the cross, there's something going on with the manner in which, the position in which the Lord is now going to take. Yes, he's king of kings, lord of lords, the only potentate. But he's taking a very unique position now in Scripture. Look at Ephesians 1. Look at verse 8. Wherein he, and that's the Father, hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, making, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed, where? In himself. He had a purpose and a plan in himself. He had the blueprint. He calls for the Son to come and participate, and he calls for the Spirit to come and participate. And they come and they gladly do. Now watch the purpose, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all thing, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, okay? Church, the body of Christ, mystery doctrine, Romans to Philemon, or, okay, and in the earth, there's prophecy, Old Testament, Israel, little flock, future earthly kingdom. 
But what's he going to, how are we looking at him? He's, he's going to be what? He's going to be head over what? All of it. So that ultimate, the mystery of the Father's will is to accomplish verse number 10. To put Christ back as the head of the, as the rightful owner. I heard it said one time, the rightful owner of the universe. He's back as the head. He's back as Israel's king. By the way, David is resurrected in the, into the millennial kingdom and is set back on the throne. The 12, tri, the 12 apostles are sitting on 12 thrones overseeing the 12 tribes of Israel as they go out now into the earth. And ultimately, Matthew 28, that happens in the millennial kingdom, ultimately do what they should have been doing since, since the exodus. <laughs> and they fail. Then he sits as our head and, and over that governmental structure. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Isn't that interesting? An inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the will of his own counsel. You know what? None of, none of verse 11 is in the Old Testament. Because who's the we? The Jew and the Gentile that makes up the body of Christ. Where were you in the Old Testament? You were a dog. You were, you were, look, you were beneath the, the, the leopard colony where you were. You're, you're out. Now, we're, now we what? We participate. There's a heavenly purpose. So when you come back to Romans 16 here, no one before Paul teaches anything about what God's going to do in the heavens, and, and, and really how it all relates to his eternal purpose. Now, in the Old Testament, what is Israel promised? A kingdom, a literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic, David's on the throne, kingdom that's going to last for how long? Forever. Did I lose you guys? Okay, just making sure. I know the air kicked on. It got cool in here. Okay, I get that. But in an hour, it won't be, okay? But the thing is, is you and I aren't in that. What are we? We're here. So in 1625, in or, when he says, and, so in order to be established, in order for the commandment of, of the everlasting God for the believer is, is to be stabilized, we, not only do we have to have Paul's gospel, but we have to move to that next level of edification, which is the preaching of Jesus Christ. But how? According to. According to it, it, that blueprint, see, and the next step. But now according to, according to what? The revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Isn't that interesting? Notice what the verse doesn't say. It doesn't say which was secret. It says it which was what? Kept. And that's very critical to catch that little four-letter word. It is four letters, right? Yeah, one, two, three, four. Okay? Because this is something that God deliberately did. This wasn't, oh, let's keep a secret so we don't make it known, and then we're going to come over here to those that are on the in, in crowd and reveal it to them and keep it out. Remember I said that about the parables? 
Matthew 13, the parables. And then he gives them the, well, I think it's seven parables of the mysteries of the kingdom. But the parables are designed for the believing remnant to get it and to keep the apostate nation from not understanding it. That's what, he, that's what the Lord says, Matthew 13. It's not that kind of mystery where only the initiated, only the good guys get it and the bad guys don't. This is kept from who? From everybody. Nobody understood this. Nobody had this. So God deliberately did something here to keep a secret. And for the revelation of it now is for you and I to move to that next level of edification. So when you look at this issue about preaching about the according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest, when we think about that, we're not preaching a we're not preaching a, a theology or a system of thought or any of that. We're we're, we're not and, and and again, we're not saying that I heard a guy say that that this has to do with what Christ was preaching, not the preaching of Christ. Okay? Rather that this is what so the preaching of Jesus Christ was what he was preaching. In, in other words, the preaching of Rick, what I preach, the preaching of Jesus, what Jesus, it's not that at all. We're, what are we preaching? Christ. You, do you follow that? You get some crazy ideas out there when they don't want to follow right division or dispensational Bible study. Why? They're promoting a theology. they got to promote a, a school or something of thought. But rather here, what we're talking about is when the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the Revelation, we are literally preaching the person. This is the preaching of, the proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ, not what he preached. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You follow that? Okay. So the preaching of Jesus Christ, the information that he preached, that he taught, has nothing to do with you and I, has nothing to do with the dispensation of grace, has nothing to do with the body of Christ, because you and I aren't on those pages. His audience is clear. So now when Paul says we're going to preach the preaching of Jesus Christ according to, we're going to preach Christ in a new and in a different way, different than the way he was preached in time past and different from the way he will be preached out in the ages to come. Because when you get in the book of the Revelation, when you get into Hebrews, he's preached, it's like, whoa, he's the, he is the, pre, the order of Melchizedek. Who in the world is that? So now you got to go, well, that drags you back to Genesis, see. And you got to go in there. And, well, now he's this and that. And it's, it's, that's a completely different manner. We're going to preach him according to the revelation of the mystery. We're going to preach him in a very unique manner. And that unique manner is in relationship to eternity. And it's, look, look, look at verse 25. Let's get into this here. We've got a few minutes. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Again, kept secret. God, by the way, this helps you understand what the word mystery is. It's a secret. But it was kept secret. I have a secret. And I go tell Paul, 
It's no longer a what? A secret. But when it gets out, everybody already kind of understood it. It was just, I thought I had a secret, <laughs> you know. Rick wore a black suit today. That's a secret. But yet, everybody, it's, it's, we're not talking like that. We're talking something kept. God deliberately kept a secret. Come over to 1 Corinthians 2. And, and again, as we work through this, 1 Corinthians 2, this helps us understand that there was a system of information that God deliberately kept hidden in himself. No one knew. Only the Godhead knew it. Only God knew it if you've got to single it down. Okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7. Paul is talking to the Corinthians, babes in Christ, carnal, carnal Christians. Okay? He says in verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the, what? Hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, watch some things. Hidden wisdom. The information now revealed has a, ha, ha, was hidden. Colossians, it says, hidden God. Ephesians, hidden Christ. Hid. That means no one knew it. No one understood it. No one hinted at it. I, I was listening to a guy years ago, and he's, and he's reading Paul back into the Old Testament. Paul ain't back there. He's not. You and I aren't back there. Come to find out, the guy was a Reformed guy, and a Calvinist, and uh, decided that every time you read Israel, you should read body instead of it. And he was reading because he hated dispensational Bible study. He hated right division. But notice clearly here, the hidden wisdom. Now, watch how the, the rest of this verse, which God ordained before the world unto what? Our glory. The information now revealed has a direct correlation to our, i.e., saved members of the body of Christ, eternal destiny. See that? You've got to catch this. Hidden wisdom, this mystery doctrine, this mystery truth given to the Apostle Paul first time ever, says the Gentiles have an eternal destiny out there. Those that are in the, in the body, saved, unto all and upon all them that believe, has an eternal destiny out there. Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of what? Glory. Clear, had the satanic policy of evil, had the adversary known, what would they not have done? He wouldn't have caused Calvary to happen. Now, that's a broader term. Uh, since there, he wouldn't have known, if he had known the mystery revealed, mystery truths revealed concerning the cross, in other words, it went from Israel to who? To all. It went from the many to all. It was, the faith was the issue. He wouldn't have done it. But more importantly, if he had understood God's purpose and plan in the heavenly places to use the church, the body of Christ, to, to take back and to fill up and to re, reorganize, reconcile it, Colossians says, all that, he wouldn't have done it. He would have just said, don't do it. But God what? Kept it a secret. Come over to uh, Ephesians 3. 
So the information, the hidden wisdom of God, first of all, it has a direct correlation to our benefit, to our glory. That's fascinating. I'm stressing it a little, Ephesians 3, a little more than what I intended to in my notes because you got to catch that. This isn't just, oh, I think think we're going to keep a secret today and blah, 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 blah. No, he's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He says, I'm keeping that so that those guys are good to go. Ephesians 3, look, if you will, at verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. If you've heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the what? The mystery. Isn't that fascinating? Personal. The Son to me. I got it from the risen, ascended, seated far above heavenly places, Lord Jesus Christ. I got it from him. The mystery. He made unto me by the by revelation. He made under the under me the mystery. Verse five, which in other ages, which what the mystery, whereby I wrote in a few words, whereby you'd understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. So if you say that it's back in the Old Testament, you're you made God a liar. And you made that book a lie. Because what does that verse just say? It wasn't back there. It was never revealed unto the sons of men. Now watch. As it is now revealed. Ain't that interesting? So what's a mystery? It's something that wasn't revealed that is now revealed. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. Notice, by the Spirit. Now you've got to catch that. Because Paul got it from direct revelation, wrote it down, preached it and taught it, the Spirit using the Word of God, wherefore the words, where I wrote a four and a few words, he goes over here now, and who now who can get it? Everybody else. How did Peter, they had the meeting, Galatians 2, Acts 15, they perceived, they got it. How was that? Paul was giving it to them, but who's working in all that? The Holy Spirit, the activity. See, that doesn't say by direct revelation from the, from the Lord like Paul did in verse 1 and 2 and 3. He's making a distinction there. Why? It's mine. I'm the possessor of it. Now it's yours. <laughs> okay, verse 5. As it is now, uh, verse 6, that, here's what was revealed, the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. How? By the gospel. Verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Isn't that fascinating? Paul, no one before Paul had a clue about this hidden wisdom. Why? It was hid in God. God, come over to Colossians 1. God is the only one that possessed the information. It was hidden in him. It was kept a secret. Then it was revealed to the Apostle Paul. Road to Damascus starts it. Subsequent revelations given to him. Paul, then it's given, then it's given to the body. 
until up until that point, it was never known. The blueprint was laid out. Genesis 1-1 began. Paul pulled, or the Lord pulled out the addendum, the subsections about the heavenly places. He removed that, stuck it in his pocket, and no one ever saw it until that moment in time when it was time to pour out wrath on the nation of Israel. And rather, he poured out grace and peace and mercy and long-suffering on a man that deserved nothing but the wrath, Saul of Tarsus. And that's why we looked two weeks ago when it, that my, I didn't deserve this. He did this. It's him. You got it, Colossians 1. Look at verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Again, notice, according to, I was made a minister according to the dispensation of God. According to the blueprint, here it is. And my, one of my jobs given to me was to fulfill the word, fill it up, bring it to a completion. It's done. Verse 26, even, see the even? <coughs> bring the word of God to completion. So when he puts his pen down at the end of 2 Timothy, it's done. The canon of scripture is completed. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. It's been hid. Where's it been hid? Hid in God. For how long? Until Paul. Not revealed to anybody, but now is made manifest to his saints. My gospel, my dispensation, Paul says is now made manifest. Never before, and by the way, guess what it has to do with? Verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among who? Among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of what? Woo, look at that. You know what it has to do with? Our glory. It has to do with our eternal destiny. The Father, He loved us dearly and deep, so dearly, so deeply, that He kept a secret, hid it in Himself. When the timing was right, He revealed it so that you and I could etern enjoy eternity, eternal glory. You, you see that? That's fantastic. Now, we got 10 minutes to do two hours worth of study, so come back to Romans 16. Because I want to catch this word kept just with you real quickly. Okay? Romans 16, 26, 25. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. By the way, again, mystery, secret. Okay? That's what the mystery is. Not mystery and some know it and some don't. Not mystery and a lack of knowledge or, or whatever, but mystery in that it was kept secret and it's now revealed. So guess what? It's no longer a mystery. Now look at this thing about keeping a secret. He kept it. It has, by the way, it's connected with 
well, this morning we're just going to catch that eternal glory thing. And that's, to me, that's wonderful. Because he had our eternal destiny on his mind when he kept it a secret. He said, we'll just pull that out and get over here and do it in the future. Okay? Now, there's, a, there's an interesting thing here about the concept of God deliberately keeping a secret. Come back to Deuteronomy with me, 29. And you know the verse, 29. In the study of Scripture, and theology too, I guess, there is a doctrine, and it's called intercalation. It's enter, and then it's C-A-L-A-T-I-O-N, intercalation. That literally just simply means to insert into the calendar some information, okay? So in Scripture, there, for a lazy man, we call it a gap, it's really an intercalation. That's the official word. We call it a gap. The biggest gap everybody likes to talk about is between one, Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. Okay? But there are gaps of information all through your scripture that God deliberately kept some information to then later reveal it. And that's what intercalation is. There are places in scripture where God left out information and then he later revealed that information that subsequently you can go back and look at it. How do we know that Enoch and Jude, that Enoch was doing what Enoch did back in Noah's day in the flood? Because what do we, we read Genesis, there's nothing in Genesis 6 about Enoch. We go to Jude, written a few years later than Genesis event, and what do we read about Enoch and what, that, in other words, Noah wasn't the only one screaming judgments coming, okay? That's intercalation. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. When it comes to God and Him keeping a secret, by the way, the greatest gap in human history is the dispensation of grace, if I can say that now. <laughs> okay? When it comes to God keeping a secret, this should not be shocking to, to you and I. It should never be a surprise to anyone. The secret things belong to who? The Lord. The revealed things belong to who? Man, right? We are preaching Jesus Christ according to the revelation of a what? Of some secret information that God kept secret that now it's time to do what? Insert it. Put it in play. You follow that? Okay. Psalms 22. Or Psalms 2. Psalms 2. Just think about this. And I just, I've got maybe 20 verses to run with you. We're only going to look at a few. Okay. Because you'll get the idea. Look at Psalms 2. Look at verse 7. Psalms 2, verse, 3, verse 7. Psalms 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. You see that verse? When did that happen? Now, Psalms is foretelling it, but when did the Lord say, This day have I, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? Well, if you go to Acts 
The Apostle Paul reveals to us, verse 33 says, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Paul inserts some information that Psalms 2 left out. When does the Father say to the Son, Thou art my Son, in whom uh, this day have I begotten thee? What's that in connection to? Paul reveals resurrection is the connection. Not incarnation, by the way. Not his birth. But his what? His resurrection. Follow that? That's intercollect. There's some detail that came later that what can we do? We can pull it over here and stick it in Psalms 2. I'll go back to Psalms 2. Did I lose you? Acts 13.33, Paul says, When the Father says this to the Son, this day have I begotten thee, he said it in connection to resurrection. Psalms 2, verse 7. Now look at verse 8. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. By the way, that hasn't happened yet. But do you see in Psalms 2, verse 8, nothing about the resurrection? There's nothing there. It's just about the millennial kingdom and the future. Paul subsequently later gives us some information that we can come over here and intercalate into verse 7. In other words, when David wrote Psalms 2, he didn't, think, he didn't have resurrection on the mind. Now the Holy Spirit does later. Come over to Psalms 22. I lost you there and I didn't mean to. By the way, Psalms 2 there... Verse 7, or verse 8, verse 9, all that's future. Hasn't happened yet. Psalms 22. Psalms 22. In Psalms 22, we have the great passage on the, on the, about the cross. In the first 21 verses, you have the mindset of the, of the Lord and what the Lord was thinking, what He was feeling, and Him expressing all that to the Father. In verse 22 to verse 31... We move to the millennial kingdom and the kingdom glory, okay? Now, Psalms 22, 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. All right? Now, Hebrews 12, verse 22, says that when that happens, it's in the millennial kingdom out there. It's in the kingdom. So what did we just do? In Psalms 22, verse 21, we conclude Calvary, and in verse 22, where did we jump to? Kingdom. There's a whole bunch of stuff missing in between those two verses that later gets revealed, specifically by Daniel. Come over to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel 9. My point is, is God keeping a secret isn't new. This shouldn't be a shock when he says, God kept a secret. <laughs> it should be, oh, yeah, he did, because he's done it what? All through history. Look at Daniel 9. Daniel 9, you start in verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. To finish, and off he goes, verse 25. 
Now, therefore, I'm sorry, know, theref- uh, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore, to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, the wall even in troublous times. So for 69 weeks, we got a time schedule, right? Now look at verse 27. And what's that next word? After. Three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Isaiah 53, 8 says that the cutting off of the Messiah is Calvary, is the cross. So, mess up my clean board. We start, we go. 69 weeks, right? What did Psalms 2 do? Psalms 2 says, Calvary. I'm sorry, Psalms 22. Psalms 22 says, here's what the Lord thought, felt, His expression Verses 1 to 21, right? What's Daniel 9 say? We got 69 weeks, and then after, that's a bad piece of chalk. After that, what's going to happen? Messiah's cut off, right? Psalms 22 says, that is goofy looking, right? Ah, We're getting over, aren't we? Doggone it. Psalms 22, 22 to following, picks up in the kingdom. You see, okay? Now look at Daniel 9, 24, or 26. Shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself? And the people of the prince, that's the Antichrist, that shall come, shall destroy the city. So what's got to happen? The city's going to be destroyed, right? What's got to happen? The There will be a... Uh, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, right? So there's got to be a flood. There's got to be a war, right? You with you? See, a war. What else? Desolations are determined. Verse 27. What happens there? There's the 70th week, up and going. Do you see how Daniel 9 inserted information that Psalms 22 doesn't contain? Because when he wrote Psalms 22, that information wasn't ready to be revealed. So what did he do? He kept that information hid. Then with Daniel, what did he do? He revealed it, right? Do you see anything in Daniel 9 about the Acts ministry? Because what do we know? 1 to 8 is that year that who, 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 who made that extra year? The Lord Jesus Christ does. He, he inserted a year. So from Calvary to here is a gap of time that no one knows. It's not identifiable in prophecy. The Lord in Luke gaps the gap. Says here's some information that nobody knew. I'm going to extend it another year. You see anything in there about body of Christ? Not yet, right? What happens in Acts 7? Israel falls, right? Acts 9 to 28, what do we have? We have the dispensation of grace. We have the mystery. We have this guy named Paul. And you know what we do? We gap the gap. It's not there. You with me? That's, that's intercalation. This should never be a surprise when God says, when Paul says, God has made known a mystery 
a secret, and I'm the due time testifier. By the way, we do what? We get out of here. The heavenly place is up here. And then, the, and then the establishment, by the way, there's some time there. All of this hasn't happened yet. This is all future of you and I. Okay? Now, Romans 16. By the you're in Daniel? Oh, man, Daniel 11. Come on, Daniel 11. Sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> Daniel 11. Yeah, you've you got to catch this because this helps you understand that when you're reading in Scripture, not everything sits right there. You've got to go study other. It's that chain link back into and fill in it. Look at Daniel 11. Look at verse 4. And when he shall stand up, talking about the Antichrist, his kingdom shall be broken and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven and not to his posterity, nor according to his dominion, which he ruled for for his kingdom shall be plucked up even for others besides those. That is, that's Greece, the king of Greece, Verse the end of verse 2, verse 3. Verse 4 is all past. You know what happened to the kingdom of Greece? It got Alexander the Great. It got busted up in the fours, didn't it? Four components. By the way, the Turkey-Syria component is nation is where the Antichrist is going to come out of. That's how you can identify that. Verse 4 is past. Now look at verse 5. And the king of the south shall be strong and one of his princes. And he, that has not happened yet. So between verse 4 and verse 5 is a whole bunch of stuff going to happen. See, King of Persia is back here. King of Greece is back here. That stuff in verse 5 is over here. Intercalation. Stick it in there. So when you come back to Romans 16, and I'm sorry for being over, but... You can enjoy your coffee. When he says he kept, which was kept secret, see, that should never be a surprise because God's done it all through time. He's done it through periods. Actually, in the, one of the verses in Daniel the, interru the, the interruption, the gap, if you will, the intercalation point is a colon in the verse. Before the colon has happened, after the colon hasn't happened. Insert a bunch of stuff right in between that. So don't think you can't hang a doctrine on a piece of punctuation. God does. See? So the mystery, the secret. We're going to look at who, who it's about, what it is where it is, when was it revealed, why it was kept secret, and how can it be. And we'll look at all that next time. We'll get into the mystery aspect of it. What I want you to catch this morning is we, we preach Christ according to what? This revelation of a mystery, of a secret information that's revealed. It's pertaining to our eternal glory. And it's nothing new where God kept a secret. He's done it all along during time, okay? All right, sorry for the intercalation, but you, I just, that's the technical name. But you just got to get, you, you got to see that. So when you talk about like the gap theory, 1112, you go get all this information. There's so much more information about creation outside of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 that you have to take and put into. And, and that helps fill. Moses doesn't write Genesis 1, 2, and 3 so that you understand everything about creation. 
The book of Job contains the most. Psalms is the second. Isaiah is the third. So you just got to know that. Anyway, we'll pick up here with the mystery and, and so forth next time. All right, Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the word, for the ability to look into it, study, dig some of these things out, and see your wisdom in them all. And I thank you for the folks' patience. In your name we pray. Amen.